Oliver Jana de Lawrence. Right through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlishaw and I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Good evening, Dave. How are you? I'm very well and I'm really uh, excited about this because Chris Brammer is back. Way. Good evening, everyone. How are we doing? I'm, 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 well. I'm very well. I'm very well as, all, as well. We're all well. <laughs> you know, it's Ben. I wasn't very excited that you were back. <laughs> I've been thro- I've been thrown under the bus by n- not only the people of the Oatcake fanzine but of the of the host of this very podcast. It's not it's not it it wasn't the best week for you, Ben. Really, was it? Like, I mean, that article did not uh, go uh, down are, well. Are we are we going to address this? Not not the best week, but more importantly, not the worst. So I'll take that. <laughs> I think I think we've addressed it enough. It's been it's got several mentions over the last few podcasts. I wrote an article saying that it's unacceptable if if Stoke finished below eighth, and and a lot of people disagree with How me. How can you think that? How can you possibly think that? Have you no respect, Ben? I mean, I am a, I am a millennial, um, and yes. I did only start supporting Stoke once they. Once they got to the Premier League, so I have to ignore my the story about my favourite Watford game coming up because that just didn't happen, and I've just plainly made it all up. We'll uh, we'll rise above it, and uh, usually we we kind of uh, start kind of these preview podcasts with uh, oh, what's your favourite game against X team, but like given that it's Watford um, and we haven't played them very much recently, and the fact that we're relatively young men. Um, and can't really recall games from the 70s and 80s uh, due to not being alive. Um, we're just going to th- ask for <laughs> uh, your general Watford memories. Uh, ben, I believe you've got a rip-roaring anecdote. OK, well, I've got a- another quick admission to make because this memory from a Watford game comes... Actually, I was sitting in the Watford end... Um, well, not the Watford end. In the Watford Stadium, as as, as some of you will know, my accent, I, I live near Watford, basically, about half an hour, which meant the football teams that I used to play for as a Ute um, would often visit Watford for their sort of yearly football visit to a stadium for some reason. And in 2008, that fixture turned out to be Watford versus Stoke City um, at Vicarage Road. So I betrayed Stoke City and sat with my friends <laughs> instead of sitting in the away end, which I know is um, blasphemous and I never should have done it. But anyway, we'll move on to the match, which was in 2008. So the last season we were in the championship and this was in, um, well, on the 15th of March. So it was coming to the end of the season. And at this point in the season, we were in first place and Watford were in third place. So, so both teams were sort of um, looking to get promoted in that season. So Stoke were in a great position, obviously in first place. Watford were in, also in a good position. So it was it was set to be a fascinating tie. Um, and basically it ended up nil-nil. Uh, it was very, very boring match. I still remember it quite vividly. John Eustace was playing for Watford at the time and got sent off uh, early on in the match, which is just another sort of little nugget of information that I'm sure will make your week. Um but the the weird thing from this game was not actually what happened during the game because obviously it was a bit nerve wracking. We this was a position where Stoke had never sort of 
been before. Certainly when I've when I've been supporting the team. Um, sorry, I, I wasn't supporting the team because that was before the Premier League. But anyway, um, and as Watford <laughs> were outside of the automatic promotion places and sort of vying for that automatic promotion um, spot, A.D. Boothroyd, the manager of Watford at the time, took to sort of um, doing a Delia Smith and he stepped out onto the pitch and started sort of riling up all the Watford fans after the game, after the nil-nil draw, and being like, this is our year! <laughs> This is our year, and obviously it didn't turn out to be their year because it was our it, year. It, it, oh. So, tri- yeah, magic happens at Vicarage Road. He, he jinxed um, it. And I witnessed it, and that's my Watford memory. I went to the uh, Oatcake message board to source some other people's memories of Watford because, as we've said, we played them last season, uh, played them the season we got promoted, and uh, weren't many times before that. Um uh, Stokey Johns of the Oak Kick said, I remember the early 83-84 season, we lost them at home 4-0 after I'd seen us lose the week before 5-0 at Ipswich. We were that bad that the booth then decided to support Watford and when the fourth <laughs> went in, we all had a good mental. <laughs> I'd brought along a mate who'd never been to a game and he found it hilarious. <laughs> I, I can't imagine us doing that now. No. Can you, no. can you imagine at the, at the end of the Tottenham game, like they score yeah. their fourth, we go, way. Yeah. Uh, there doesn't seem to be too much sense of humour anymore, does there? I, like, I couldn't imagine that happening. Um, Football's uh, ever more serious and it must be taken intensely seriously or you're not a real fan. Oh, well. Um, in in terms, I was going to say, in terms of like a memory, like this, it, last year's home game where we were um, terrible, it was... Last year, I I I'm, I haven't been a season ticket holder this season or last season, um, and Watford game was the first home game that I went to last season, and I decided to take a friend from work along who's really really big into football. Um, I, he's he's been on some Spanish football podcasts and stuff, so we took him along because he's a big Barcelona fan. He wanted to see Bojan funny that because I don't think he played um wanted to see Munez but he also wanted to see Shakiri blah 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 anyway um I just remember taking him along and being like eh, I don't know how we'll do in this game because I've seen us play before and he was all big enough now nah, you'll beat Watford it's going to be great and we were we were actually sat in the booth and end ourselves um and it was awful awful just and it's not a good memory but I just remember being so sad not angry just really really sad that i brought a friend along first stoke game he's ever been to and awful in fact i am thinking about it i have an awful record bringing friends along to stoke the time before i took another friend when we lost four nil to chelsea and so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stop bringing yeah maybe we should do a a podcast special on when when you bring a friend to a game i I bet that would be some fun also can i point out after after our (laughs) fa cup special last week obviously we 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 saw each other's faces for the first time so this is the first podcast where we're doing like on skype video not just audio and chris is wearing (laughs) a dashing watford colored t-shirt i notice i if i yeah well, well 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 let me let me correct you because this is actually a borussia dortmund hate fascism t-shirt so uh there you go you've, ju- you've you've just lost us all our fascist listeners chris oh oh dear sorry don't worry we'll claw them back so by calling the... them the alt-right yes they're the... fascists are called the alt-right now back to <laughs> back to football um in sort of 
uh, non-Watford related uh, events. Uh, Stoke City defender Mark Munieza has admitted that he might be forced to leave the Potters in their January transfer window in search of first-team football. Chris, what are your emotions right now? Uh, Just pure sadness. Pure sadness. I would... At this point in time, I just want to see him play in any position. I don't care if it's centre-back, left-back, defensive midfielder on the wing. I just want to see him play again. I I miss the guy. Um, I mean, I, I kind of think we all knew that this would be coming because he's not going to play. I don't think Mark Hughes trusts his longevity enough. I think he's he's too much of an injury risk. Not, I mean... He he has been injured and he does he's never had a consistent run in the team. I think that's a shame. I I'd love him to play because he's so good, but it's just not going to happen. And he's not going to break up Shawcross and Bruno Martins Indy. And for some reason, well maybe not even for some reason, Eric Peters probably isn't going to be replaced by Mark Munez at left back. So where do you play the lad unless you go revolutionary and play him as a defensive midfielder? But I don't see that happening anytime soon. It's sad, it's sad, but I, I feared this day would come because you can't just keep players and then not play them. They want to play football. Careers are short. And he he left Barcelona to play first-team football, so... Yeah, I feel, I feel for the lad, but I kind of also want him to leave to have a career because I think he's a gifted player and I think he deserves to play football. I think the the sort of defensive midfielder, Mark Muniacer as a defensive midfielder is born literally out of people desperate to see him in the starting eleven. He's a player that's literally... And I've said it myself, I'm not sort of saying that you're wrong saying it, but there is no evidence that Mark Muniacer would do a good job at at holding midfield. I mean, no one else in the team can do it, so why would a a centre-back be able to do it well? Um... But I mean, and and I and I love uh, as I've said before on the podcast, I love Mark Munez as much as the next man, as much as any Stoke fan. Um, but in terms of of losing a player that will have an impact on the team and the squad, I mean, you can't really choose anyone better than Mark Munez. Uh, as bad as it sounds, like the the impact that it will have if we lose him in January is literally probably zero because he he just never plays. He doesn't have a, a place in the team. He hardly has a place in in the match day squad. So. As as sad as I will as I will inevitably be when Mark Munez moves on, because I think he will at some point move on. Um, of course, uh, it, it in terms of impact on the team, it's not that much, especially when you can compare that to to a Steven Nzonzi or a Begovic. It is literally just born out of the fact that yeah. Mark Munez has a lovely smile, and we all just want to be his friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I would say maybe it would have an effect on the morale backstage remember saying that players come and go but i think that he is he he was the the first of those the, those type of players that mark hughes brought in he then brought in Boyan. he's happy munez is tweeting about afalai being back i think he will be missed in the dressing room but uh but yeah you're completely right ben in terms of a <laughs> placing the match day squad he, he's not He's not going to be missed, is he? And well, I you think... say that. What what happens if, uh, God forbid, Shawcross or Bruno gets injured? <laughs> We've got no centre back cover, and yeah. I, 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 I might be completely out of step with uh, the Stoke consensus, but I actually think his his best position is centre half, 
And I know the arguments against that will be he's too small, he's too lightweight, all this stuff. But I actually think he, uh, when I've seen him play really well for us, it's been at uh, centre-half and not left-back as much. Uh, and he has had some stellar games for us. Um, I can't remember if he played centre-half in the uh, Anfield semi-final, but um, whether it was centre-half or left-back, he was fantastic that day. Um uh, but and it was heartbreaking that he missed the penalty. Oh, duh, just had just had nightmares remembering that. Um, so yeah, if if he were to go this January, we would have to sign a centre half purely for cover. Um, apparently, Philip Walshide's loan in Germany isn't going too well, so he he no. could come back. You never know. But no, nah, Philip Walshide's played his last game for us. Hasn't it? Let's let's be honest. There, I think, and you're completely right. We if we get rid of Munyaza and an injury happens to one of our current two, all we're straight back to in a position where we have no centre backs, which is kind of where we've been like last year. It it doesn't address anything. I think the thing with Munyaza is he's completely right and justified in wanting first team football. Like all players want it. It's if you can't get it at Stoke, he's going to have to go elsewhere, which is a real shame. But I suppose the argument, can you break up this current back four just to give him game time? Is he going to be willing to sit around and wait? I mean, he's waited for God knows how long and he's not getting to be a regular first choice. Is he like, mm. I think, I think, I think it's telling that Philip Volscheid went out on loan and Mark Hughes didn't then use that as the point to put Munez as the first choice pairing with Ryan Shawcross. Like, if that isn't a nail in the coffin of you're not my first choice, then I don't know what is. It sucks because we all love him, and I do think he will be, if he goes elsewhere, I think he'll be a great player for another club. But I, I, he's not going to get in this team. I, I mean, think. you both say if, if, if BMI or Ryan Shawcross get injured, then there's no cover if Munieza leaves. But you're, you're forgetting Harry Sutar of ex-Dundee United fame, the young giant. What's what? What's Tetchera's situation at the moment? I'd, he, he just keeps like in, Instagramming pictures of him like doing bench presses and stuff like that. So he's still around, but I don't know if he plays, if he's in our team Breaking anymore. hearts, breaking legs. God. <laughs> That's his motto. <laughs> Tixer has fallen through uh, the Wilson Palacios uh, hole where you just kind of um, you just go through a, a crack in time and space where, you, where no one's really sure if you play for a club or not. It's like uh, it's like Schrodinger's cat. If you open the box, <laughs> is he a Stoke player or is he? <laughs> but yeah, if if. If Martin Yeza goes, we're straight back to the same situation. We're going to need to have to bring in another centre-back if he goes. So, like, just keep him. Just keep him and play him, please. Please don't let him go. We love him. Don't... Right, let's get let's get Mark Hughes on the line. Come on. <laughs> Why not? we got Stan Collymore. We can get Mark Hughes. Can you imagine Mark Hughes <laughs> listening to us witter on? <laughs> you just, you just be. Uh, I'm not sure I want to manage this team anymore. <laughs> they keep slagging me off. Happier Stoke news is that our under-18s team have progressed to the next round of the FA Youth Cup. Uh, they defeated uh, famously the Academy of English Football, 
you know that that that, that, that team what won the World Cup. Uh, West Ham United four uh, two on penalties after a, the game finished two all. Lots of exciting talent here, Chris. Um, yeah, by by all accounts, I was following it on Twitter whilst well trying to keep up with it on Twitter. I was watching the Champions League and. Uh, the Dortmund game was absolutely insane yesterday. So, sorry, I've not been too faithful to the under-18s there. Um, no, it seemed to be um, a good a good win for them. Um, there, there was quite a few familiar names who we've talked about playing, weren't there? But, I mean, the likes of Ngoy and that weren't there, were they? No, uh, Ngoy's no. Uh, slightly too old to play for the under-18s. But uh, Thibaut Verlinden... Uh, yes. Played and uh, uh, there's a clip going around uh, going around the interwebs of uh, a shot he took from an incredible distance after you know uh, skinning a couple of players, mm-hmm. which kind of underlines how exciting he is. We mm-hmm. uh, we've spoken about him being nominated for uh, was it the under twenty three player of the month award or something before, and there's been all this kind of uh, he's the next great hope of. Uh, Belgian football so uh, yeah he's he's the one that um I think most people are excited by and also he's um he's come close to deployment as well uh, <laughs> he, he was on the bench for the West Ham game yeah well I mean that's a, that it's a good sign that they they're doing well I I don't know we from from what I saw yesterday they 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 seem overjoyed to have uh to have been to have got through to the next round um it would be we always say it would be nice to see them around and about our first team but who knows no it's good for them good for them i mean quickly going back to the next generation of belgian talent i was actually writing a match report um of the fascinating fixture between rochdale v walsall last night um and Florent Cavellier, um, the old next generation of Belgian football, came off the bench for Walsall and had a bit of an anonymous few minutes for them. But it was <laughs> weird seeing that. Hopefully, Valinden does a bit more than than he managed during his time at Stoke. We've got um, a, a weird kind of mix in our academy uh, now that we never used to have of just having. Uh, loads of exciting European players as well as like local lads as well. So, um, mm. well, I uh, have to keep an eye on that. Uh, other Stoke news, just to kind of uh, keep get everyone up to date. But they pro- they probably are aware already. Phil Bardsley's out for five weeks. Ooh dear! Ouch! Ouch! Yeah, it's not the it's not the the best of news. Um, I mean, it's good that Glenn Johnson was back in the the mix last weekend but god if he gets an injury in the next few weeks we're what back to hoping jeff cameron can play there which isn't the worst thing in the world but i mean it's gosh it's not (laughs) oh dear dear. it it reinstates that that we need to look for a right back in january but i mean there's there's three players there who you'd hope could play but it's frightening when we get down to injuries um, it, I think, I think more. It doesn't re- just reinstate the fact that we need to sort out another right back potentially, but it reinstates the fact that we need to sort out our medical team or something. Like something's going wrong <laughs> that never used to happen, yeah. and it, someone needs to to get to the bottom of it. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe it's us. Maybe it's us three who need to sort it out. But um, <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, it it it, it is um, baffling. Well, it's maybe not baffling. Maybe there is a simple explanation in that our medical medical team or the way we train or something isn't uh, conducive to players lasting a full season. Uh, I always used to think when Arsenal uh, a few seasons ago had this uh, amazing injury crisis that I thought, well, clearly something's up at the club. You know, it's it's not just a, a sheer fluke that you're just getting injury after injury after injury. Uh, something's going on. I mean, we're just talking about Afalai coming back um, from a from a long uh, absence through injury. Uh, Jack Butland's still not back. You know, Johnson's just coming back from an injury. Shakiri's always hobbling off. You know, and and stuff like that. So, I wonder if it's related to pre-season and how much uh, that affects us because um, the trends recently have been not only are we picking up injuries, we're always uh, starting season slowly, which maybe suggests that in general the pre-season training that we do isn't good enough for us to you know start at full pelt. Yeah, no, you, you could could well be, to be honest. Um, there's clearly something in us not starting at full pelt, and Mark Hughes always says that, oh, I, my, my teams get better in the second half of the season, and he, um, there's there's that book, oh, I can't remember what the book is called, where he, like, they, they is it, what's it called? Like Living on, on the volcano. volcano. Living on, that's the one. Yeah, and it's like him t- saying about how his teams almost grow into match fitness and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's probably probably right. Um, again, it's not the best thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not too happy with it, but um, no. Let's look ahead then. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, twelve fifteen kickoffs. Uh, actually, turned out to be quite beneficial when you're an away team uh, quite far away from where you're playing so uh, yeah we'll get to watch this on telly good luck to everyone who's uh, traveling down south for this one are we kind of just apprehensive after the debacle that was Bournemouth yeah 100% apprehensive and we're on television which I just always feel that we're going to play awfully because I we we've we have got this we have still got a reputation of playing i mean boring football i think among among some people anyway and it always ends up that whenever we're on television it, it is just boring i i don't remember well <laughs> except for sort of there's a few obvious exceptions to that rule that is clearly just not at all true but that's what i'm worried about um and Watford are a team that for some of the season have looked quite good under Mazzari is, I'm not sure that's how you pronounce it. But, yeah, um, Mazzari, yeah. Mazzari. Um, but at the moment, they're not playing too well. So it sort of it matches up with, <laughs> with, where, with who we're playing at the moment. It's not the sort of worst teams in the league. It's just that level above it. And, and obviously, we weren't able to beat Bournemouth last time out. But we need to beat Watford. As, as I said on the last time I was on the podcast, um, that we needed to get six points out of the next three games. We didn't get... We got zero points against Bournemouth, if you need a reminding. Um, so we need to get the full three against Watford, in my opinion. Chris, yeah, uh, full three. Yeah, I think I think we need. Well, I'd. It's it's going to be one of those games where I will no doubt accept a happy nil nil draw at the end of it. Uh, but I I no, I think we need to win this game because we're coming closer to the Christmas time fixtures and they are awful. They are not nice. So. No, I do think... I think what I'm dreading, 
more than anything is a performance similar to Bournemouth because we didn't play well and I will uh, I will almost accept a better performance and us drawing than I would us playing as badly as we did against Bournemouth. I think it's that inconsistency that annoys most Stoke fans that we can play really well one week and then awfully <laughs> so awfully the next. Granted we've only beaten the worst teams in the league so far I think mm. we've said it before this is this point now is the trying bit for us it's how do we cope with those teams who aren't in the relegation zone and I think I think Mark Hughes needs us to beat these teams because otherwise it's going to be pressure straight back on him and yeah, we need we need to improve. We need to improve how we play. If we want to be back in that top half of the table, like Stan Collymore said we would be, um, we need to start picking up points from these games. Joe Allen is, of course, suspended. So you imagine uh, Bojan, despite uh, being heavily criticised uh, after the Bournemouth game, may well retain his place in that kind of number 10 position, uh, which leaves the question... Who, after uh, a poor performance from Charlie Adam uh, and the suspension of Allen uh, and the injuries to Cameron and Whelan, uh, who do we play in centre mid? Um, Ngoy? No, I'm yes. um, I, I oh. never got round. I really wanted to write an article this week, and I never got round to it about Bojan and his, his sort of his average performance at best against Bournemouth. You probably shouldn't write any more articles, Ben. <laughs> um, I'll, but okay, I'll say it now then. That the best of both worlds. Um, that Bojan is is a is a man of of clear his his footballing ability is based on confidence. If you haven't read the article about when he was nearly called up to the to the Spanish squad for one of their World Cups, I believe, or the Euros, can't remember completely off the top of my head, but. He basically just he had like panic attacks because he just sort of lost his confidence and and he's a man that hasn't been playing for a, for a lot of this season. He got his chance against Bournemouth, obviously, and it didn't go to plan. I don't think that then means that we need to immediately drop Bojan. Bojan on his day is one of, if not our best player. He's certainly one of the most exciting to watch when when he's on 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 his swan song with those with his touch and his passing ability and he scores goals. He is sensational to watch play football so too right he should be starting this game regardless of whether Alan got banned but anyway to the question that you asked I've obviously gone on a massive rant um, but I, th- I think the obvious answer and the answer you're looking for Dave is it's got to be Imbula hasn't it let's give Imbula another go yeah yeah. I think I think it's time I think it's time to uh, uh, let him loose really he obviously hasn't been playing uh, for a while I think it was perhaps after the Everton game that he was dropped uh, from the team. Uh, I think I might be wrong about that. But, yeah, uh, he, he went out of the squad completely. He's recently been back on the bench. And uh, there's lots of kind of talk. Is it his learning the language? Does he not gel with the rest of the team? Um, what could it be? Uh, and I think I would definitely welcome him back in the side. I think uh, our centre midfield... First of all, it needs some uh, defensive uh, kind of. It needs a defensive shape to it. Now, I don't think Imbula necessarily brings that. He's not a defensive midfielder. What he does bring to the midfield, I think, is an energy and a 
and a drive and the ability to turn defence into attack quickly that we lacked against Bournemouth. I thought um, midfield was uh, all over the place, uh, didn't quite know what they were doing. If you give him Bula the ball and let him drive at uh, their midfield, I think we've got a real good chance of uh, carving them open. But you know, he might turn, he might he might turn out and have a stinker. But uh, I've I've still got a huge faith in Imbula. Uh, I'm I'm sure you guys are the same. One of the, I just wanted to bring up quickly one of the stats that always annoys me when I see it this season, especially now that we've got Imbula, when it says like the most take-ons in the in in the league this season so far, and I'm I'm, I'm looking at that data thinking if Imbula had been starting every day, every game, sorry, every day, yeah, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? A Stoke game every day. Um, if Imbula had started every game, he would be at the top of that list. But he's he's not been given a chance for different reasons, as you brought up already, Dave. But that just sort of it, every time I see it, it's like oh my blood my blood boils a bit. My mind keeps going back to the game at the Riverside at the start of the season, where he was by far the best player on the pitch. He was. He was having the time of his life in that game. He was just, uh, he was not only um, making good runs, good attacks for us. He was uh, just, you know, uh, uh, wafting players away like they weren't there. He was uh, on possession. He was making good passes. And uh, yeah, since since then, he's kind of, um, he's kind of, uh, well, we know he's, he's lost his way a bit because he's lost his way at the team. But um, maybe a, a similar away game against uh reasonable but uh, not that spectacular side will will be the making of him um i think that's time for us to wrap up uh this first half of the podcast in the second half i'll be talking to one of the presenters from from the rookery end the watford podcast ben thank you very much for joining me thank you chris pleasure as always ah no thank you very much join us after the break Mike Parkin, co-presenter of the Watford podcast from the Rookery End. Mike, thanks for joining us. No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. So, Watford, you've just beaten Leicester 2-1. You're eighth in the league. You must be pretty confident with us coming to uh, Vicarage Road on Sunday. Uh, no, you're, never, you're not going to catch me out that easily, David. We're, never, we're not at the stage where we're confident playing any um, established Premier League side at the moment. Um, we're absolutely delighted as, as to how the season's panning out. As you say, we're eighth in the division. We've just beaten the champions. Uh, we battered Man United at home. So we are having a good season. Um, but we also, the game before last, we lost 6-1 away at Liverpool, which I'm sure uh, you and a lot of your listeners will probably have seen on uh, what wasn't a very super Sunday for us. Um, so, yeah, we know there's still some um, some work to be done before we're a, uh, you know, a real, but before we can relax a little bit and, and like I say, be confident about, about playing anyone, especially... Uh, uh, someone who was uh, a team who was on a, on a really good run until uh, came unstuck against Bournemouth on uh, on Saturday. So most Watford fans will certainly be going into the game hopeful of of a decent result, but I, I'm I'm sure most Stoke fans will will say the same as well. So I think it's going to be a really fascinating one. Looking forward to it. Though. Should be good. 
Yeah, that uh, Liverpool result, uh, a bit of an anomaly in recent fixtures. Uh, you're on a fairly good run uh, before then and had kept it pretty tight at the back uh, until that game. Is your defence a weakness uh, or were Liverpool just overwhelming that day? I think that that, that day was a sort of perfect storm of, of things going wrong for us. Uh, whatever the opposite of the stars aligning, that that was it really. We had uh, one of our key centre-backs, Sebastian Prudel, who's a uh, an Austrian international. He was he was missing for that game, uh, and uh, Matsari brought in Jan Matt, Daryl Jan Matt, who, who most of you guys will have heard of from his from his days at Newcastle and obviously for the for the Dutch side as well. He brought him in to kind of try and play centre back, and that it just didn't look right from from the start. We looked we looked all all bent out of shape from, right from the kickoff in, in in that game, and Liverpool capitalised. But by the time they went one 0 up, really they could have had they could have had three or four. It could have been ten, to be perfectly frank with you. Um, so I think it was a combination of some key personnel missing for that game, being set up slightly incorrectly and coming up against a, a very decent side uh, in Liverpool. We, we didn't do ourselves any any credit at all. We didn't get them at all. We saw Lucas was playing centre-back for them. We thought we might be able to get them. We've got get at them a little bit. We had Odin Nogalo and Troy Deeney up front who proved they can be a handful for any Premier League defence. And, and we just didn't get at them at all. So we went up there, on, as you say, on the back of a, a pretty good run. So we, we, we said amongst ourselves that it was going to be a free hit. So we weren't too despondent about about the defeat itself. But the nature of it was was disappointing. Um, but then to come back and, and beat Leicester so comprehensively, although the score was only 2-1, I think it was a, a comprehensive win, to bounce back after after such a humiliating afternoon, which was which was what it was, showed, showed great character. Um, and it's quite impressive the way Matsari changed it around. He dropped dropped a Gallo and, and and changed the sort of formation a little bit, and yeah, it worked wonders for us. So um, it was an anomaly, I think. You're right. You're right to say that. Um, but as Marie's point still stands, I think we're still we're still a, a work in progress. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, Walter Matsari there. Um, Watford are a, a bit of a unusual side, I think it's fair to say, with your kind of turnover of. Uh, player players and management being quite uh, frequent and uh, you never quite know well from my point of view anyway I don't really quite know what's going on in the boardroom and behind the scenes and whatnot what have you made of Matsari at the moment is he a upgrade on Flores is he about the same uh, what have you made of him so far I think what he's shown himself to be is a lot more adaptable than than Kike Flores now I'm um, you'll find it hard to get to get too much negativity out of me on, on Kike Flores because uh, it's a long time ago for you guys now, but you'll remember when, when you get promoted to the, the Premier League, you've got one real job, one real focus, and that is stay in the Premier League. Uh, and, and Kike Sanchez Flores managed to do that quite comfortably for, for Watford. So I've got nothing but, but admiration for, for Flores, but he did run out of steam. Once we hit those that 40-point mark, um, the, the season did peter out dramatically. And I think what the uh, what the Pozzo family were very wary of was that once you get into a slide that is that bad, um, and it was you know it was a 10, 15 game where we, where we looked incapable of changing a game, incapable of of winning. Um, once you get into a yeah. slide that, that that is that bad, it's very difficult to turn it around. Even if it and you look at sort of Crystal Palace for example, who who started ended last year badly and their bad forms carried on. Um, Sunderland, Villa, Newcastle—they've all struggled because they haven't acted, um, and the latter two obviously got relegated as a result. So the Pozzos aren't scared of a, a negative headline. What they are is absolutely decisive, 
um, and they're, 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 they've got every belief that, that whatever they do is is for the is for the for the best of the club. So your original point there was is Matsari an, an upgrade on Flores? I think he I think he is. Yeah, at this stage he's shown himself to be a lot more adaptable. Um, he, he changes the game. He'll bring substitutes on. As I mentioned there, he'll he'll change the formation, which which Kike Flores did, but not not to a massive not, not to a massive degree. So um, I think yeah, I think he's doing really well so far. So far, so good. You could, as you say, we're eighth in the table uh, with some notable results. It's it's very very hard to complain as a Watford supporter. Yeah, I think there is a bit of a similarity uh, with the Flores situation and with the Tony Pulis situation at Stoke. Now they're two managers who you think it couldn't be more different in kind of uh, styles, I suppose. But um, we did have that situation you described of uh, once we reached a certain points total in a season, then we'd fall away. And it took a lot longer for that to become uh, something uh, we didn't put up yeah. with any longer. It, it took it took five seasons in the Premier League, I think, for, for Pulis to lose his job. But uh, Flores went after one. Uh, onto the game then. Uh, Watford, uh, yeah, Watford, as I say before, uh, you've got a kind of big, uh, r- big squad, a big uh, overhaul of players seems to happen quite regularly there. Uh, so outside of maybe Dini and Nagalo, I think not many football fans, even those who are quite clued up about football, uh, could name too many of your players. Who who were the who were the guys that maybe aren't getting the headlines at the moment? Who we're you think are really good? We're not going to tell you that, David. We've gone under the radar this long. We're not going. I'm not going to throw away three points by uh, giving you the heads up on who. On who <laughs> I think, from in all fairness, this is this is the best Watford squad that we've had. Um, I'll give my age away now, but I, I watched watched uh, I grew up in the tail end of the Graham Taylor era, which uh, you remember Watford got in, got into Europe and got to a cup final, finished second in the in the in the division. This is by far and away the best squad that Watford have ever had. There's the strength in depth at every um, at every turn. So start at the back, Aurelio Gomez. Now I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of your listeners will probably have a little chuckle when, when they think of Gomez, but because uh, he, he you know he, he he didn't have a great time of it at Spurs, but he has been absolutely superb since he's come to Watford. Cue, uh, cue a mistake live on Sky on uh, on Sunday morning now, of course. But he's he's been great. Um, so I think it's worth. I think uh, some Stoke fans might be might be surprised to hear that. Um, I mentioned Seb Prudel at the back, the centre back, Austrian international. He's big. He's commanding. Um, yeah, he's very confident. He gets rid of it when he needs to, but he can also can also play the ball um, as well. Jose Holobas. Jose Holobas is a is a left wing back who who can get forward. He's got a, a ferocious left foot on him. Daryl Yama over on the right wing back. He, he, most people will have heard of him. He, um, he, he's good getting forward as well. Um, in the centre, we've got Etienne Kabu, who you might laugh at me, David, but I, th- I think Etienne Kabu on his day could play for any team in the Premier League. I think he, I think he's that good. Um, I do think he's got um, perhaps application issues, which is which is why he's ended up at a club like Watford, and he didn't ultimately cut it at, at Tottenham, who are obviously a Champions League club or were a Champions League club until uh, until this week. Um, so I think he's a great player. Um, he's in, in, on his game. He can on his day. He can be absolutely unplayable. His legs seem to be about 25 feet long. He can just, yeah, he can he can <laughs> absolutely boss it from the midfield. Um, Pereira, uh, we signed from Juventus for 13 million quid. Um, I did say that. Yeah, Watford have signed a player from Juventus for 13 yeah. million pounds. 
Uh, he he uh, he stole the, the limelight a little bit on uh, Saturday against Leicester with um, he set up the goal after 30 seconds and then and then curled in an absolute beauty after after 12 or 13 minutes. So he's great. But the one that I think that's really caught the caught the eye a little bit over the last couple of months is uh, is a guy called Nordin Amrabat who uh, who plays out on the right um, and he looked quite slight and he he doesn't look massive but he's tough. He's tenacious, uh, he's skillful, and he and he's given uh, many a sort of left back uh, a bit of a uh, a bit of a pasting this uh, this season. So uh, he's what's really caught, cool, I think. Um, but as you can probably tell, by the way, I've been so enthusiastic about about talking about those players. We've got we've got strength and depth all over the place, and it's um, it's just really exciting to be a Watford support at the moment. We're not we're not taking it for granted at all. We know it's a difficult division to to be in. Uh, um, and we know that anything could go sort of belly up at any moment because that's just the way it goes. But every game is sort of a, a big event for us at the moment, if that makes sense. And we're just relishing every uh, every every Premier League game. And, and to have internationals basically sitting on the bench is is just extraordinary for a club who who five years ago we were we were seriously concerned about about going going out of business. So it's great. Um, and yeah, they're, they're not household names, but I think I suspect. If, if we keep up this form, my, my, many of them will be. Yeah, my blood's run cold there, uh, listening to you describe uh, not only how good how good uh, you think your team is, but how good uh, the right winger, Am- Amrabat, yeah, is that right? Amrabat. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, because um, our, our left-back position has been uh, definitely a weak point so far this season, well, for me anyway, uh, amongst others. Um, so, yeah, the, I think... Uh, I think Eric Peters could be in for a tough time. And I think uh, you've also touched on something that's in common of for a lot of clubs, mid-table of the Premier League, if you like, where we have brilliant, you know, really skilled, exciting players who, if they were cons- that consistently brilliant, wouldn't be playing for a club of our size. Uh, like Marko Natovic or Shakir for us, you know, in theory could could be playing for you know, pick a club, but uh, it's because they just lack a certain, certain, uh, I don't know, consistency to their game at times. That's why we're able to keep them. Yeah, I think, I think uh, absolutely right. Yeah, I will just say before um, before we move on from Nordin Amrabat, when you see, um, don't be confused. It's not Stephen Island. Um, so I would urge your listeners to <laughs> uh, to look up Nordin Amrabat, and uh, I think it's mean it just didn't look like. But yeah, check 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 him out and. Uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're absolutely top of Sorry, David, I interrupted you. No, 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 it's fine. Um, yeah, um, just s- seeing anyone who looks like Stephen Ireland on a football should be a rare <laughs> event at the moment, given his uh, his struggles. Uh, on our team, then, um, uh, and as I should uh, mention about Gomez as well, um, I think he definitely has uh, been tremendous for you from what I've seen. Uh, he's, he's certainly a... Uh, maybe found his home if you like uh, I think he may have committed a bit of an error in our game at your place last season not too sure on that but uh, he once uh, went off uh, crying uh, d- during a game at the Britannia for Tottenham it was uh, in the Roy de Lat long throw days and I think he uh, got got bashed around a bit and uh, and I think that that would be most Stoke fans' overwhelming memory of Gomez. He's an emotional chap, is Aharello, uh, and we're and we're very proud of him for it. He, any man who wears his heart on his sleeve to that degree, I think, deserves a 
a round of applause. But let's hope he's not in tears uh, on uh, on Sunday afternoon. He's a, he's a really emotional guy, and, and you can see that. Well, we hope you see him celebrating on on Sunday. You obviously, uh, I hope he doesn't. But he's yeah, he he he, he does get involved in the game. And that that is a slight a slight weakness. Um, going back to your point, most of these players have got an Achilles heel of some sort that means they're not playing um, at, the, at the absolute top level. That's not to do either yourselves or us down, because I think we both have aspirations of, uh, of, of you know, being more established in, and, and perhaps looking at European football on a, on a regular basis. But yeah, most of these guys have got some sort of Achilles heel, and I, I wonder whether Heronio's emotional, um, uh, emotional side is, is that... Uh, but yeah, leave him alone on Sunday. Don't don't try and make him cry. That's a bit. That's a, yeah, it's old school state, state that is, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of uh, going on to new school Stoke, then uh, any players on our seat on our side uh, rather that um, that you worry about that you think are uh, decent players who might uh, pose you I a think, threat. I think David, any any Premier League is going to be full of of quality, isn't it? And you, you've mentioned you mentioned Arnautovic and, and Shakiri there. The, they're the ones that stick out, but then there's people like John Walters who are like a real just pain in the backside. Who always seem to score against against teams like us. Um, wherever you look, there's there's kind of danger, I think. And um, I, th- I think see Stoke as a real good barometer as as how far of where we are in this division. Because all right, we beat Man United, got back to Liverpool. Both could be could be ones off, but one offs. But if we're really going to be established, Stoke at home, with with all due respect, is where we want to pick up something. Um, so, yeah. yeah, without you know, this uh, they're just they're just good players. If you look, if you look through, if you look through, Joe Allen, of course, is um, is great, and yeah, there's just there's just quality people who've been there and done it and and know what it's about, and and yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult for us. But I'm always loath to to pick anyone any individual out. Um, I just think that you're you're down at the bottom with the dead men and really really struggling and every every team is full of quality and, and anything could happen. I know it's a, I know it's a cliche, but with Watford games, the beauty of it is that all three results, win, lose or draw, are genuinely possible um, and not, not none more so against uh, against Stoke on Sunday. Finally, then uh, with that in mind. Um... Uh, try not to, uh, to sit on the fence for this one. Uh, could we have a prediction? I hate, this. I hate it. Uh, I know. Um, <laughs> very difficult, isn't it? I'd, and the other thing is, I hate these Sunday afternoon kickoffs. I know we shouldn't complain, you know, with Premier League. So yeah. We get, we get shunted around a bit and, and this, that and the other. But it, it is always very different. I don't know what it's like at the, almost called it the Britannia. It's the 365. Did you guys still call it the Britannia? Yeah, I think... Uh, just in terms of talking to each other, we we still yeah, call it the Brit, or the o, just don't get the o yeah, really, right? Um, yeah. I, exactly. So, I don't know. What I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Watford are going to sneak a one nil win. Okay. Uh, on that note, uh, we'll say goodbye to you, Mike. Um, where where can people find the podcast slash follow uh, so the podcast? We're, uh, on Twitter at Watford Podcast, uh, on Facebook uh, forward slash uh, Watford Podcast, uh, and but most importantly, yeah, just get it on um, get it on iTunes. Search for from the Rookery End or uh, from the Rookery End dot com, and we'll be doing we're doing a pod right Mike, after the uh, right after the show game, so you'll get a uh, a flavour of uh, of how we felt the game went. If you if you want to hear that, I suspect many more of you will tune into that if uh, if Stoke get a result. Mike, thank you very much.